Hey guys, don't forget to check out the Street Cop Training Conference April 23rd through the 28th, 2023 at the Gaylord Opryland Resort and Convention Center. It's going to be a great experience. Five career-changing days. Some of the most profound speakers in the industry. Guest speakers include Rob O'Neill, the guy who killed Bin Laden, Kyle Carpenter, the youngest living Congressional Medal of Honor winner, Fox News host Tommy Lahren, Navy SEAL American war hero Jason Redman, Sheriff David Clark, Sheriff Mark Lamb, and Sheriff Wayne Ivey. You'll also spend time with all of our Street Cop instructors at this event Monday through Friday. We'll have a great lineup of courses in addition to our great speakers. It will be a week that you will not forget. You'll be thankful you came. You don't want to miss out. Check out streetcop.com on how to register. If you're going to use the room code, make sure you book it from Sunday through Friday. That's what the code's good for, and it's about half the price of the regular rate. But those rooms are running out, so make sure you sign up now. We'll see you there. Hey guys, welcome back to the Street Cop Podcast. I'm Dan Foster, the instructor for the Mastering Pennsylvania Search and Seizure Courses. And today we're going to be going over the top three questions that arise for case law in Pennsylvania and some of the misconceptions that we're going to clarify. All right, so the top three cases that I want to talk about today are Commonwealth v. Strickler, Commonwealth v. Johnston, and United States v. Arvizu. All right, to start, number one, Commonwealth v. Strickler. It's a case that came out of the PA Supreme Court in 2000 and deals with when we have the ability to ask for consent to search a motor vehicle during the course of a traffic stop. So I hear a lot of questions that come up about this and the so-called trooper two-step where officers think that they have to break contact from a vehicle stop prior to asking for consent. And the answer to that question is in Pennsylvania, you absolutely do not have to do that as long as you have developed reasonable suspicion of criminal activity independent of your reason for stopping that vehicle initially. So let's explore. Commonwealth v. Strickler, 2000 PA Supreme Court. The court said, our jurisprudence under Article 1, Section 8 of the Pennsylvania Constitution, however, would not sustain a consent search conducted in the context of, but which is wholly unrelated in its scope to an ongoing detention, since there can be no constitutionally valid detention independently or following a traffic or similar stop absent reasonable suspicion. So those last three words are the key words you need to pay attention to there, absent reasonable suspicion. If we develop reasonable suspicion on a traffic stop, meaning we have reasonable articulable facts to believe that criminal activity is afoot within that motor vehicle, that we have stopped for a traffic violation, we do not need to do the trooper two-step prior to asking for consent. We don't need to walk back to our patrol car, take our hat off, turn our lights off, give the documents back, tell people to have a good day, or any of that crazy stuff that you might have been told. Now, keep in mind, if you have not developed reasonable suspicion of criminal activity on that stop, you're going to have to do the trooper two-step, meaning you're going to have to give documents back and break contact prior to asking for consent. But then my question to you would be, what are you hoping to find? If you don't have reasonable suspicion, why are you wasting your time and risking a complaint or a lawsuit simply asking anybody for consent to search their vehicle? All right, the number two misconception in Pennsylvania case law is Commonwealth v. Johnston, a 1987 Pennsylvania Supreme Court case. But before I get too far into Johnston, I want to talk about the federal standard for canine sniffs to establish probable cause to search a motor vehicle. So the federal standard for canine sniffs comes from a U.S. Supreme Court case from 1983 called U.S. v. Place where the United States Supreme Court ruled that a canine sniff was not a search pursuant to the Fourth Amendment, and Illinois v. Cabayas, which was another United States Supreme Court case in 2005, 
where the Supreme Court said that a canine sniff can be used on any vehicle lawfully stopped so long as it does not prolong the duration of the stop. But Pennsylvania, being the state that we are, decided that we are going to differ from that federal standard. So in 1987, our Pennsylvania Supreme Court decided Commonwealth v. Johnston, where they created a two-pronged test for when a canine may be used to sniff a motor vehicle. And what did they say? Well, the prongs in that case are number one, police are lawfully present in the place where the canine sniff is conducted, meaning you have a lawful traffic stop based either on reasonable suspicion or probable cause of a motor vehicle violation to stop that vehicle. But the big difference we have is that second prong. The police are able to articulate reasonable grounds or reasonable suspicion for believing that drugs may be present in the place they seek to test. So that's why it's important for you to understand how to build a nexus between the factors and the reasonable suspicion um, you know, indications that you are seeing in that vehicle and whether or not drugs are gonna be located in that vehicle. Because without building independent reasonable suspicion of drugs in the vehicle, you can't use a canine sniff on that car even if it does not prolong the stop. However, if you develop reasonable suspicion of criminal activity or of drug nexus with that vehicle, you can in fact hold that vehicle and those occupants there for a reasonable amount of time waiting for a canine to arrive. So that's the one big difference from the federal standard that we have in Pennsylvania for canine sniffs of vehicles. All right, so number three in the case law misconceptions for Pennsylvania. This one's going to be a little bit different. I'm actually going to talk about a Fourth Amendment case here from the United States Supreme Court, but we really don't differ at all in this concept in Pennsylvania. So I just want to make sure that it is a concept that is clarified for everybody, and that's United States v. Arvizu. It's a 2002 Supreme Court case, and it talks about reasonable suspicion, where that comes from, and how you develop reasonable suspicion as a police officer. And that that's going to play into the number one and the number two misconceptions that we already talked about. So like I said, United States v. Arvizu, a 2002 Supreme Court case, and it talks about the fact that reasonable suspicion comes from an officer's training and experience. So if you don't have uh, a lot of training, you don't have a lot of experience in the drug game, you're not out there making arrests, you haven't been to classes, it's going to be a lot harder for you as a police officer to articulate the presence of different factors that lead to reasonable suspicion that you might be observing on a vehicle stop. But with that training experience and seeing those factors that might well elude an untrained person, that totality of the circumstances, that combination of factors taken together, collectively is known as reasonable suspicion. And United States Visu goes on to talk about that reasonable suspicion is not a defined set of rules. It's not something that you can check uh, the boxes on a hypothetical checklist where if you have you know, three boxes or four boxes, seven boxes checked, that you automatically reach that reasonable suspicion threshold. It's gonna be different for everybody because as police officers, we all have different training, we all have different experience, and we all see things through the lens of that training experience a little bit differently. Reasonable suspicion is not a hard concept to get to. If the factors truly are present, if criminal activity truly is afoot, it really shouldn't be that hard for a trained and experienced police officer to develop reasonable suspicion. So go out, get the training, put it to work, get the experience on the street, build that reasonable suspicion, and put some bad people in jail. Guys, if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes, but we're not close to you, fret not. We actually have on-demand training at streetcop.com. You can take that course online right now, and then 
You could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher. So you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong and at the maximum going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer.